All right, everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode of Her Wild Outdoors. Tonight, we get to, well, today, if you're listening today, we get to talk to Dana Monroe. And Dana, we got to meet at TAC this, uh, earlier this year, and I'm so glad we got to. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining this episode. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that was a fun, that was my first TAC experience. Um, and of course, I didn't get to shoot because I had a bum shoulder, but I got to sit back and observe and watch everybody help each other. And it was really, I think that was the coolest part of being able to be there and not participate was was just watching the camaraderie of everybody, whereas it is kind of a competition. It was also like I didn't see that much there. I saw more support happening. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool because the archery community is just so welcoming and mm-hmm. and I think that's a a big draw to, you know, attack event versus a competitive shoot. Yeah. is it's, it is, it's like, it's a wholesome activity. You can get out with the family, Mm -hmm. get out with your buddies, you know, have a little bit of a competition, but all in all, you're just out there having fun. Yeah. I remember my son who is 11 got out there on the line to shoot, like just to practice and to shoot 3d targets. And he was in between two guys, two men, grown men, and he was standing in between them, just this short little kid. And every single time he shot, one of them would say something encouraging. And (laughs) it was that sense of like, I'm there, I'm standing there, I'm helping. I'm like, okay, dude, let's straighten up your feet, watch your stance. And they would throw a couple of things in there every now and then encouraging. But at the same time, they'd be like, man, look, you got that target way to go. And they had no idea who that kid was. And it was just taking the time to encourage the person next to you versus, man, that was a bum shot or... You know, it could easily have been just being quiet and not saying anything, but they took the time. And I saw that with everybody, not just with the kids. It was really cool. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the archery community is really hard to beat. I've, I've noticed that, you know, through, throughout my journey, um, earlier in my archery career. And then, then now it's where I'm able to, to be of help to some people. It's, it's just such a great community and so welcoming and so willing to help no matter what stage of your journey that Mm -hmm. you're in. We all remember where we start. And it, I think that that is a humbling experience that you don't forget. And you immediately remember where you were in that moment when you see somebody else there. Uh, It's not a, I'm better than you. It's a, I was in your shoes once and you feel that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, take us back just a little on that cue. How did archery get started in your life and how did the outdoors <laughs> get started? So um, I've, I've always been, you know, outdoorsy growing up. I was always outside. You, you could not put me inside, mm-hmm. um, but I was never really into hunting. I, you know, my dad hunted when I was growing up, but I I was not interested whatsoever. Huh. And the older I got, um, you know, I, I didn't really 
once I got out of high school, I, I just, I didn't really have anything, you know, I, I didn't have any activities that were, you know, that were wholesome and exciting. Mm -hmm. And then I, I started getting more into fitness and then I got exposed to, uh, bow hunting and I was like, okay, you know, this, I, archery is weird. I'm not going to get into archery. And then I just, you know, exposed more and more to it. And finally I was like, okay, this looks kind of fun. I, <laughs> I need to try shooting a bow. So I went to, um, Western hunt expo and shot a bow for the first time. And in that first shot, I remember I shot the arrow and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. Like mm -hmm. I need to get a bow. And I was hooked from the first moment. And from there, I just really, I, I completely dove down the rabbit hole. Like I didn't ease in. I just went full in mm -hmm. and I think I've been shooting, uh, about five and a half years now. Yeah. So that's still fairly new, but I've just, I've immersed myself in it so much that I feel like it's been way longer. Mm -hmm. We've, I've talked a couple of different times on the podcast about how uh, years of being in something is not comparable to experience in something. Yes. And yep. you kind of have to take that step back, not just somebody looking in and seeing who you are by the years you've been in it, but your own self giving yourself the credit for the time that you've put into it and the experiences that you've had. And uh, you are not the first woman that I've talked to that gun hunting and hunting in general was not an option until archery was pulled into it. And yep. I, I don't know what the connection is or what the commonality is other than the, I, it, it might be just the complicated part of it, the challenge and the artistry of it. There's just so much that goes into it. And um, there's a lot there's a lot of respect to it. So I don't know why, uh, if there's a common why women kind of gear a little bit more toward archery, but um, I certainly did. I still haven't, <laughs> I, in all these years, I still haven't taken, uh, I have not taken an animal with a rifle. Hopefully this, this November will change that, but um, it has been a crossbow to begin with. And then I got a muzzleloader deer last year. But before that, like I've not taken one with a, a rifle. Yeah. 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 It's, I'm, I'm very much the same way. I, I, I feel so much more comfortable with a bow in my hands. And I, I think it is that, um, you know, that respect factor, like you're, mm -hmm. you're more immersed in the experience when you have a bow versus a gun, because you're forced to be, you know, yeah. you have to get that much closer and able in, in order to, to make a, an ethical shot on the mm -hmm. animal. And it's, I mean, it's so difficult, but it's so rewarding too. I agree. I agree. And I think that, you know, not, I don't want anybody to hear us say that they're like one is over the other. I think that if you right. hunt 
and you are doing it the right way, then you are doing it a great way and I support you 100%. I just, yes. the, the amount of women who I have talked to over the years of jumping into hunting, it was because of archery, not necessarily a gun. And honestly, a couple of a couple of people, it's been because of how, uh, how guns can be a little bit more intimidating than a bow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've talked to a couple of people here in Tennessee with our wildlife agencies, and they say that they actually get more new people coming to mentor hunts when it involves a crossbow versus a gun. And it is because of that, because guns seem a little bit more intimidating than a crossbow. And I mean, if you think about it, they're technically built very, very similar. Um, But I also understand that, you know, here in Tennessee, you can use uh, crossbows during archery season. And I think that it's less people on public land. Uh, It's uh, a little bit less scary being out there with guns going off. And (laughs) I just think that there's a little bit more. It's less intimidating. And so new hunters coming in, that is a, it's a great way of introducing people. I know that uh, girls with guns, not girls with guns, um, shoot like a girl, has guns in their trailer that they teach women how to shoot a gun, but they also have a bow in there because of the same reason. So yeah, it's very, very valuable. Yeah. Um, And I love it. But you started with a bow and you started just shooting. When did hunting slip into there? Um, I mean, I, I didn't want to start hunting until I knew I could you mm-hmm. know, ethically kill an animal. So I started fairly low poundage. I had no idea what I was doing. I was <laughs> getting into it completely by myself. Like I was just going off, you know, what the internet said, Mm -hmm. podcasts. I was too scared to walk into a pro shop. Yeah. And so I was just doing it all by myself. And so I think it took me um, a couple years before I felt like I was able to, to go out and actually hunt with my bow. So probably uh, two years, I would say. And a lot of that had to do with me moving. I, I moved from from Salt Lake to Denver to work at Kfaru. Mm-hmm. And I moved in August, which is basically <laughs> archery season yes. starts here in Colorado. Uh-huh. So so I kind of had was not forced, but kind of forced to take that first year off. Mm-hmm. So I just went out and backpacked and tagged along uh, with some friends on hunts. And then the, the following year, I, I started hunting. I think that's the best way to learn your way around a new spot when you move. Yeah. I think it's yeah. great to be able to to walk alongside people and, and kind of get your bearings. Uh, I've talked to a friend, Stacy, uh, up in Alaska. She moved up there and she was kind of in the same boat. She could do fishing, but she couldn't do large game for a whole another year. And so it allowed her to kind of get her bearings on where she was and where the places that she needed to be uh, for hunting in the next season. And 
I've just heard that that's a great way of creating relationships with people in the area, but also learning your way through it. If you were going to hunt solo, if you were going to hunt with somebody else, just creating a situation where you're, you're set up for success versus failure. Um, Oh yeah. 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 It's just, it's good for so many reasons. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially for people who are newer, like, like me, I, you know, I've been outdoors a bunch, but I, I hadn't done a whole lot of the, the back country stuff for, you know, five days in a row. And so it was really good to get out there and, and see, be there with experienced people who, mm-hmm. you know, who had the gear, who had these little tips and tricks that, that could make it that much easier for when I was going out solo and give me the confidence mm-hmm. to know that I could go out solo as well. Yeah. I, uh, I've been asked a couple of different times, when are you going to go elk hunting? And I said, after I go with somebody first. I really do not have a desire to go on an elk hunt by myself or not by myself, but for myself before going with somebody else. I, I know that the second I hear a bugle, I'm going to hit my knees shaken. (laughs) And I, I kind of want the ability to observe and I'll take my camera. I'll help pack out. I will, like I, I offer to be there and support, but I definitely want to experience it on a supporting level first versus a yeah. hunting. I think that'll kind of make it a full circle situation. And, and that's just what I have in my bank of what what I want to do. We've taught our kids that they have to observe a hunt before they do a hunt. And I think that it's a valuable lesson to have. Sometimes you don't get that opportunity, but if you do have it, yeah. I think it's great to take it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I, I love that concept because it's, you know, so many people get into hunting and like, especially me, it's, if I were to get an elk on the ground solo, like that would be extremely difficult to, mm-hmm. to handle all by myself. So it's, I want to be, you know, take part in, in witnessing in that and witnessing the whole process, like from kill to, you know, the meat going in the freezer. I want to be a part of the whole process and because you can never learn too much. Mm -mm. Nope. I've got my Montana trip. We've got a couple of girls going and we all have different tags. Some of us have the same one, some have different, but an elk tag is on the is on the table for one of us, and it yeah. would be awesome. It would be so awesome yes. to yes. be to be a part of that and to cheer somebody on and to help and to to visually see that before. Because you know, I'm an Eastern hunter. It's it's going to be a whole yeah. new world being out there. <laughs> A whole new world (laughs) to be out there. It definitely is. Uh Um, But then to be able to help and to be able to see that, it's just, I, we've, I've just always thought that that was important. And my kids were, they were better prepared for when they took the life of an animal by being there when it had already happened and to go through all those steps from the beginning to butchering and putting things in the freezer. And it's, it's a sweet thing to pass on, but to see the work afterwards is what I wanted them to see. Um, 
Yeah. And to yeah, experience. Yeah, because that's a lot mm-hmm. of what you don't see. And it's so much work. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, kill. it's almost like the hunting and the killing is the easy part. Oh, yeah. And then once the animal's on the ground, that's that's, that's when the real work starts. Yeah. And it's, it's not pretty. It's not Mm-mm. fun, but it's so rewarding. And then, you know, eating that meat after is just the best feeling ever. Yeah. We've, we've said a lot of times it, if you don't experience the hard work after, if you don't know what's coming, then you're more likely to make a rushed shot. Yep. And I think that that has slowed them down a little bit. I know it has slowed me down a little bit on taking shots that weren't legally questionable, but it was a jumpy, oh my goodness, there it is. Let me take a shot. And instead it was, okay, where is this animal? Where are the feet? Where is it turning? Where is it going to go? Where am I going to have to go to get it? There there are just a (laughs) whole lot of things. If I'm solo, which I'm major, I'm for the most part, I'm solo. So is that going to be something that I can retrieve by myself? Um, there, All of it comes together because of the thoughts of what comes after. And yep. I, it's just a valuable lesson <laughs> to take with yes. you. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, you have to think about that. And I think, you know, witnessing it, uh, before you're actually experiencing it is another good thing because you know what to expect because mm-hmm. you've seen it all happen. Like you're not just scrambling after, you know, after you kill an animal, you, you know what to expect and you're able to think yourself through every process or mm-hmm. every step in the process. And, you know, because once an animal gets in front of you, like all logic goes out the window. Like you, you just <laughs> dial <true>. in to, <laughs> to yeah. you know, your, your base level of training. And it's, that is, that's really true. It's like you fall to your very, very lowest self, uh, very lowest training. Yes. And yeah. so if, if you take the time and think all of that through, think in every single situation, like what's going on, what's going on, like, am I going to do this? I'm not going to do this. I'll do this. Like Mm -hmm. red light, green light. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, experiencing that is, is huge because it sets you up for so much more success after the fact. I agree. I agree. What was your first hunt that you went on? Um, so my, for yourself, I, I think I, I went on a turkey hunt with a friend, but it was just kind of a, it wasn't real much of a hunt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my first real hunt and but my first animal was uh, a rifle doe antelope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I've heard those are it fun. Was. <laughs> oh, it was incredible. Like I shot the animal and I was like, oh my gosh, I might cry. I might I cry. <laughs> I think everybody thinks that for a second or if they do or if they don't, it still crosses their mind because it's that, that, that bit of grief of what just happened. And yeah, and it, it can go one way or another. Neither is bad. Both are just the way that you process things, but that excitement also that comes with it of pride and relief and I, it's just a mixed bag of emotions. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's just so many. And it's, it really is a lot of, you know, it's sadness and, and reverence, but also pride for mm-hmm. all of the hard work you put in. I'm, I mean, I, all year I spend getting ready for hunting season, like everything I do all year is to get ready for hunting season. And so once everything comes together, it's, it's, just such a good feeling because you've worked so hard for that moment and it's not you know it's not joy for taking an animal's life it's it's joy for the results of all the hard work that you've been putting in for the last year mm-hmm. I agree I think that that's not talked about as much I think that it's you know right now the there's a big push for hunting because of the meat because of Mm -hmm. the you know you know where it's coming from and you know what it's eating and you know all of those kind of things so it feels cleaner and it feels better for your family and it is but that has that's been a big push for um for hunting the hunting community for our wildlife agencies uh because we have had this push for organic meat and putting better things in your body and that kind of thing. But I think that we forget that what is just as important is talking about the hard work coming to a conclusion, coming to that that victory and the end over the hard work. It's um, There's nothing like putting forth effort into something and it working and I still get surprised sometimes that all of that hard work (laughs) that it oh my goodness it worked (laughs) everything came together and it worked Um, yeah and you can apply that sometimes you I mean you put in all the hard work you do all the right things and it just doesn't Mm -hmm. work out Mm -hmm. and it's it's soul crushing some Mm -hmm. years like and especially you know a lot of the the western hunting where you're out you have camp on your back, you're in for five, six days mm-hmm. and it, it takes a toll on you sometimes mentally, but, but after the fact, you know, you look, look back on the experience and just, you wouldn't trade it for anything. No, we've got a place here that, uh, took the kids to last year and it's very, I mean, there are tree stands, there's uh, strap on tree stands that I'm a very short person. So sometimes <laughs> climbing, uh, climbing those climbing sticks that six foot six, two men put together can be <laughs> a little tedious, but it is in the middle of nowhere up on top of a mountain that you've got to pack your water in and there's a primitive cabin, but it is, it's days being there and it gives a little bit of a glimpse of of spending the time out there without water without electricity having to on a hill on a mountain sometimes butcher your your deer on the side and pack it back up the hill you get a little a small glimpse of what that would be like and you know, we have to deal with rattlesnakes and we have to deal with <laughs> with things that critters that you might not necessarily want to come up against. And yeah. um, and it's a great experience that, you know, we're not too far from help if we needed it. And we're not too far from 
911 or anything <laughs> like that. It's not like being back on a mountain, but or in the West, but it does give a little bit of a glimpse for the kids and for me to be able to learn, okay, this is, if we can do this, we could, we could learn a little bit further. We could go a little bit further and, and take it to a a new level, um, and add some elevation changes. (laughs) It was, that's one of the things that hurts the most. (laughs) Right? No, I mean, you came and probably, because this was where we hunt is very close to where attack was. And uh, so it's a much different (laughs) elevation than, um, than Colorado for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I live, so I, I live in Denver. So, you know, 5280 is, Mm -hmm. is where I live. And yeah. so, and it's funny because, you know, I have so many friends all across the country and back East, they'll talk about their mountains. And I, <laughs> I just giggle to myself. I'm like, this is not a mountain. <laughs> this is a hill. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, it, uh, we do have the Appalachian mountains and we do have, <laughs> it's just, it's totally different. It's a hundred percent different. It's more rainforest yeah. feel than yep. than Rocky Mountain and there's not the height of of elevation. I've been out there hiking and climbing a 13k mountain and it is not <laughs> the same. It is yeah. every five steps having to take a breath and um, <laughs> having to to get accustomed to that over time before taking that mountain and um it yep. is. It's a and lot lots of training. A lot. A lot of <laughs> a lot of training and and especially, you know, if you're going backpack hunting, like you have to get out and do some sort of like backpack cardio is, mm-hmm. is what we do out here. And I mean, even doing that, it's it's still gonna humble you in, in ways you never thought possible, but it at least helps a little bit and it helps prepare your legs because it's never your body I've noticed it's like it's never my body that isn't I mean it hurts obviously because you've been hiking for days on on end up Mm -hmm. and down mountains but it's it's your lungs like you you Mm -hmm. just can't breathe like yeah and there's no way to to train yourself for that other than getting up there and experiencing it yeah I've got friends that wear those oxygen deprivation masks when they're working out um and I still, I mean, I can hit this the stairs at the gym. I can hit that, <laughs> but there is no prep for going from here to there. It's yeah, just if you don't live there, you're just gonna have to suck it up when you get there and try your best to stay hydrated and uh, and yeah. rested and take the breaks when you need them. And yeah. There's, I can't prep yeah. for that. There's no way to other yeah. than being there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely some steps that you can take to make it a little bit easier on yourself. Um, but you know, there, there is no way to get past that if mm-hmm. you're not living at elevation and even me, you know, even living here in Denver, once I go up, you know, 12,000 feet, it's, I, I still suffer. Like, mm-hmm. I may be a little bit more acclimated to it, but it's still the air is thin up yeah. there. It's more the recovery. 
So what I can prep yep. for here is how fast can my recovery be? And, yeah. and that is huge. That's, that's something that has been a focus is how fast can I get my body to recover after a heavy workout or after a ruck or after like, how fast can I recover in that? Because that's what I'm going to need to do. I'm going to need to rest. I'm going to need to have a good night's sleep or even just a little bit of sleep and be able to keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you're often not getting very good sleep no. <laughs> when, you're, no. when you're in the back country hunting. <laughs> no way. It, you're constantly listening. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, there's just so many things. It's, it's so funny because I'm scared of the dark. I'm scared of like animals, bears, all of that. I like everything about back country hunting terrifies me, mm-hmm. but, and so like, it's, it's a win just when I get out there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I am just, and especially if I'm with somebody, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more laid back and I'm a lot less on edge, but if I'm solo, every little thing and every little noise, I I am just on high alert. Mm -hmm. And that takes so much out of me too, because I'm, you know, so stimulated all the time Mm -hmm. and it's, it's just exhausting. Yep. I having solo hunted for most of the time when I ended up taking the kids with me, I I did do that. I kind of breathed a little bit better. Just okay, yeah. this is I A, I can't freak out because they're with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What kind of example would that be? I think we had <laughs> we walked up, we were hiking in and there was a rabbit, but my headlamp showed those red eyes and it just was like, what? Oh my um, gosh. And it's a, it's a stinking <laughs> rabbit. Like it's not going to do anything to us. Um, but there are coyotes and we've got koi dogs here that Ooh. have mixed in with the coyotes and they're a little bit more aggressive. So you kind of have to watch your back on that part of it, but it's still having somebody with me, I've noticed I I am a little bit calmer and there's, I, I think that that's why there is, there's a valid need for having a hunting partner when you need it. There is also a valid need for hunting solo. There are different, it's, it is, I think it's necessary both ways to become a better hunter. That's, that's just me. I think that I can learn a whole lot of things when I'm by myself, but I think that I learned so much from hunting with other people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And it's just smart too, because you do learn. I feel like there there are some things that, you know, you just have to experience and Mm -hmm. being out there by yourself is going to force you to learn so many things very quickly. Yes. (laughs) But when you, when you, have the chance to, you know, hunt with somebody that's a little bit more experienced or, you know, at a, at a different level than you, there's always something that you can learn from mm-hmm. someone else. And if you're like, if you think nobody can teach you anything, like I don't want to be around those kind of people. Yeah. It's, it's just being smart, you know, mm-hmm. learning from people who have been doing it. And from people who, you know, have used certain pieces or, you know, 
um, like gear. Gear is a really big thing for me. And especially for, for hunting out West, it's, you know, you want to have good gear that's not going to fail on you. Mm -hmm. And that's not super heavy when you're packing in for six miles. Yep. So a lot of people, you know, my old boss, I would go to him with recommendations for gear, like, Hey, this is what I need. What do you think I should get? And this guy, he's tried everything possible, like everything known to man. He's Mm -hmm. like, this is what you want. So I'm like, okay, cool. So instead of going out and buying all these different options and trying to figure out what works best, I go to him Mm because he's used everything already. And, you know, it's just being smart in some cases. It is. It's finding, I think it's even better when you find somebody who can tell you, no, you don't need that. <laughs> yes. yes. You think you'll need it and then uh-huh. you don't. <laughs> well, all everybody is telling you, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this. Well, what do I not need? What? Right. What? Because if I take everything then I can't carry it. So what do I not need? I, I've, right. There's a plethora of suggestions of what I do need. I, I need somebody to tell me, okay, that's not necessary because you have this. And this is not necessary because you have that. So you don't need to double yep. up on things. And that thing is a piece of junk. Don't take it. <laughs> those are the yeah. things I need people to tell me. And thankfully, yeah. when you surround yourself with, with good strong, experienced people. I hate using the word expert because I don't think anybody is an expert unless they've learned every (laughs) single thing that they can learn. But experienced people who are just honest with you and it's not because they're trying to sell something. It's not because they're going to make money off of something. It's because it's, it's truth and you've got to surround yourself with people like that. Right. Right. And that's one of the biggest things. Don't listen to people who are sponsored on the internet Mm -hmm. because they're going to tell you their product is the best in Mm -hmm. the world because people are paying them to say it. Yeah. So I've been lucky to, you know, to be surrounded by a lot of people who have experienced very, very, a very wide range of, Mm -hmm. um, of, of hunts and animals and encounters and, and just all of that. And so I, I've been very lucky. Not everybody is that, that lucky, but it's a lot of finding people and finding credible people too. Yes. It's, you know, and, and some things you're just going to have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't, because even those people, those very credible sources you know, you guys may have different styles, may have different, different ways you like to do things. And so, you know, one thing that works for them may not work for you. Mm -hmm. And that's just trial and error and experience and getting out in the field and being able to test your gear and, and all of that beforehand, you know, you don't want to be testing gear on a hunt. That's correct. (laughs) That's a big no, no. (laughs) Correct. And that goes from everything from your boots to a pack to (laughs) food. I mean, you don't want to be taking any kind of dehydrated food that you're having to fix that is going to tear your stomach up. Like you need to be eating that stuff before you go and see how it affects your body. Um, That's like, I have been told that many times. <laughs> Please yeah. check what is going to work because that is one thing you don't want to have to deal with out there. Um, yeah. It's, I, there, I think that that's why 
these kind of conversations with women, I have taken so much out of. And it doesn't matter if they've got thousands of followers or 10. It just matters how relatable they are. And they could have zero experience in deer hunting and have all the experience in bird hunting and I am going to gravitate for toward them and say okay give me all of your knowledge because I want to learn I want to take it all yeah. in um, yes I've got notebooks upon notebooks upon notebooks of notes from these podcasts <laughs> because I take so much out of the conversation um, whether it's a saying or or it's actual, tactical information um, or logical information. It is, I've just got notes upon notes. And it's because I didn't grow up with a woman that hunted. And even in six years into my hunting, I didn't know another woman that hunted. And I am starving for that, that, that conversation and that experience and to to draw from it uh, whatever I can. And I, I don't, I'm honored when people like yourself and other moms like me who are out there doing it or, you know, even I had a conversation recently with a teenager and I learned so much from her uh, <laughs> just because it's a different vantage point. And I yeah. love being able to learn how others see things because I might not have thought of it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's that's the mindset that, that I love, you know, to see in other people because I love that too. It's you know, nobody else sees the same thing that you see Mm -hmm. and nobody has experienced, you know, what you've experienced. So out here, you know, a lot of the people are out hunting in the mountains and, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of boots on the ground, lots of miles covered. Mm -hmm. And then when I go back East and do some of the whitetail stuff, that's a whole different ball game. Mm -hmm. And it's, I remember my first time hunting whitetail, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I just want to climb down and go chase them. Like <laughs> I need my feet on the ground because they're, they're too far away. I, I need to close the distance. And it's, you know, there, there are different things about each, each type of hunting mm-hmm. that I absolutely love, but there's so much to, you know, to every animal and, and animal behavior is huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking with people who have had these certain experiences and seen these things, it's, you can never like have too much knowledge, like never, ever, ever. And it's, I always want to be learning and, you know, bettering myself and better preparing myself for, for being in the woods and, you know, being more successful on the next hunt. Yeah. So I, I love that too. I think it applies what we learn as hunters out as outdoorsmen as anglers whatever outdoor experience that you are living if you are constantly in a state of ready to learn you can apply that to any part of your life and 
I mean, that goes into your job. It goes into uh, your family. It goes into personal relationships. It goes into friendships, how you even handle family drama. Like it, it kind of <laughs> creates this slow down. How can, how is this working? How is this moving? You're learning how to observe and to listen without responding. There are just so many things that I've been able to take away from what I've learned in the outdoors and apply it to almost every aspect of my life. And I think yeah. it, it makes us better human beings when when we're able to do that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. Yeah. It crosses the boundaries. It crosses into into your whether your regular life is in the outdoors too, but it just it it's something to take and apply to everything. And uh I love being able to teach that, but I love being taught that. Whether it's in a in an easy way or a difficult way. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's a good mindset to have through life, you know, because if, if you're always trying to learn and trying to, you know, better yourself and put yourself in new situations, you're just going to be a better individual all around. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to be happier. You're going to be more fulfilled. People are going to enjoy being around you more. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it just makes every aspect of life better. Yeah. We talk constantly about how you know, I'll think, okay, I'm getting a tax refund back. Well, how am I going to use that? <laughs> and automatically it's, yeah. what gun do I need? Or what what <laughs> outdoor equipment do I need? And, and it, yeah. you know, the joke is that it's what, what else can I spend a paycheck on? Or what do I need to save for? But I, I think that, when it comes down to it, you're also learning how to be patient with yourself. You're learning how yeah. to listen to your own confidence in something. And I don't know, we tend to doubt ourselves sometimes, especially when we're put into a position where we need to teach. Uh, and I think that it creates a situation where we're still learning as we're teaching. And if we keep it in that kind of mindset, then it's just, it keeps going. It's not, you're not stopping that learning experience. You're just changing it up a little bit. Oh, yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, you hear people say all the time, the best way to learn is by teaching. Mm -hmm. So once you're able to, you know, experience something you can go to somebody else who hasn't experienced it and you know give them some insight and that that just you know solidifies Mm -hmm. all of that in in you as well yeah and so it's it's just uh just a process of of bettering yourself yeah we have that rule as well the our kids have learned it is you are taught a lesson, you then apply it, and then you teach it. And it creates, it does that where it solidifies that lesson a little bit more, but you learn something new each time you go through that process. And it is so valuable to walk away knowing how to do that in whatever part of your life. Um, 
I do want to ask you, having entered into the hunting community a little bit later, you're not as late as me, (laughs) but (laughs) a little bit later, um, how would you say, how do you feel about uh, whether you've got mentors in your life who are women or women that you walk alongside of, how have you noticed the impact that we have had on our community, whether it's in a good way or a bad way? Um, I mean, I've, you know, there are definitely some negative things that I've noticed mm-hmm. throughout the whole hunting industry. Um, mostly, but mostly that comes from, you know, the people who are just trying to have a platform with, without, without being a genuine presence, you know, Mm -hmm. they're seeing a route to try and get more followers on Instagram or Mm -hmm. try to be famous. And, and so they're taking, uh, I don't know, lots of negativity towards that. But Mm -hmm. I, I've also noticed, um, I mean, I have a community here of, they're my tribe, my, my ladies. And then a couple guys are yeah. <laughs> in, in this little tribe that we've created. And it's, it's honestly been the greatest thing that I've ever had. I've, mm-hmm. I've never really had, um, a group of, you know, strong women that, that truly wanted to see me succeed where, you know, we're all, we're all hunters. We're all out there getting outside as much as we can. You know, we, we do these challenges. So there's this really fun challenge here um, at my local archery shop called the alpha bow hunting challenge. And we all go, we all compete against each other. And so we're competitive with each other and then we're hugging after and Mm -hmm. it's, we're all pushing each other to be better while cheering each other on with like, and it's, it's genuine also. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the really important thing is just being true to yourself and being genuine and, and truly being happy for people and, and not having to compete with other women, because as a woman, you know, you're taught to compete from a very young age for certain things. Yes. But, and so like, you know, that that's ingrained in you and that's so hard to overcome. But I think if you do find those, those good influences in your life and, and you see the genuine happiness when, when you succeed from Mm -hmm. your friends and, and then vice versa, it's, it's life changing. And it's, it's like, I can't explain how amazing it is to, you know, to have my group of friends, like, Hey guys, this is super exciting. Like this just happened. And Mm -hmm. they, they're just behind me with like, with all the praise in the world and you know, that, that goes for anybody in the group and that that's absolutely life changing. And I I think we need so much more of that. I agree. I think that when we get outside of the social media world and make it the real world, that's when (laughs) I have found the women that I need to surround myself with. And I have found a ton of them on social media that I have then applied real life situations to. And that is, (laughs) that's how it has become this, uh, it, it is, it's a tribe and it's a support system. And 
I think that I think that it's fairly easy to tell some from others, but when yeah. you do meet in real life and when you do create those real relationships outside of just that social media world, it, oh, it's like you said, it changes your world. It changes how you view friendships and how sometimes a smaller community is better. And, you know, the big wide world is great for certain parts of your life, but sometimes you just need that core group of support for yourself and to be able to give it because you've got to have it both ways. You've got to be able to fill your cup and give it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you- yeah. And, and social media can be like, it can be a huge tool because mm-hmm. I have met so many people over social media and it's, that's what I like to use. I, I like to use social media as a tool. I yes. don't like, I don't want to, to go on. Like I, I'm careful who I follow mm-hmm. because I don't want to be scrolling through and just like have all these thoughts coming up like, Oh, this again. Like right. I can't stand this. I can't stand this. So I, you know, I follow people who promote positivity because mm-hmm. that's the kind of life that I want to live. Yeah. I don't want to see people who are just ragging on people all the time. So I'm, I'm very much about building things up mm-hmm. that you love and sharing what you love and shutting up about what you don't like yeah. and <laughs> yeah. other negative comments. So it's like, is if it's negative, this, you know, it really does not need to be said. You know, if you don't like somebody's post, then scroll past it. Yep. Don't like it. You don't need to take the time to comment something that's, that's hurtful or demeaning, anything like that. Like yeah. just use it as a tool use it for positivity and to build, you know, to enhance your life, not Mm -hmm. to, not to rule your life and just make everything negative. Yeah. It's why I turn the news off sometimes. Well, most of the time I don't watch the news. (laughs) It's, I I don't either. (laughs) You can't get the real stuff off news anyway. So, um, I don't know. I think our world tries to be so, so, so big and inclusive of every single little bitty piece of information. And um, I don't know if that's necessary. And that's my opinion. That's, I I kind of like a smaller, I used to love having a ton of friends. And I've noticed that those tons of friends, you can't have deep, thoughtful relationships with because you can't spread yourself that far and neither can they there's no way of doing that so I've noticed more recently in the past decade that a smaller group of close-knit people is is so valuable um so 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 valuable but you just got a new job yes Mm -hmm. yes I did (laughs) You did. And I want to say congratulations. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Thank you. Yeah. So um, a couple weeks ago, I uh, officially started at Black Rifle Coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, I am the marketing coordinator for uh, the outdoor space. So pretty much everything outdoors, uh, hunting, fishing, um, a lot of the archery stuff. I'm just, I'm kind of you know, the, the person 
you were that, that takes person. care of a lot yeah. of like, the backside stuff of all of that. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and I previously was at Kafaru and I, I basically was like, did I did all the marketing stuff there. So pretty much anything, marketing, social media events, that was me. And so now I'm, I'm doing very similar stuff at Black Rifle. It's just a much bigger company. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot more support, which has been amazing. Good, good. I'm glad. it. When we started, so I do like to say that you and I met outside of social media. <laughs> yes, and then yes, connected. we did meet in person. <laughs> we did. <laughs> and then connected um, and kept up with each other. And it was like, okay, we need to have a conversation. And I love, there was just it was like okay there's this there's a lot coming up there's a lot going on and I just was excited to hear um because you you do it's like you said you do want to cheer on your people when things great happen and it is it's not the sense of well dadgummit I wish that I like no it's if I can lift you up, yeah. if I can be encouraging to you, that only makes me feel better. And we say it a lot, the whole, let me help you straighten your crown. Well, mine's cockeyed all the time. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, There's enough crowns for all of us. Yes, <laughs> yes. And it doesn't necessarily have to be perfect in order to support. And so, um, I am very excited for you and and excited to see how that goes and um, and the best things that will happen. So congratulations. I also want to hear about yes, what you've got you. coming up in hunting this year. So um, I hunted here in Colorado for mule deer mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks and it was it was rough. <laughs> the weather um, there was kind of crazy, right? It, it was, it was a little up and down. The, the first couple days of this season were actually the coldest of the mm-hmm. whole season, which is a little weird. Um, but I, you know, I was seeing deer every day. I just couldn't close the distance. It was mm-hmm. really dry, very crunchy ground. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was hunting in very open terrain. So it's not like I had anything to hide behind. Yeah. Um, it was very hilly. So it, I couldn't, um, like post up somewhere and just see, see where they bed and wait them out. So it was a a very difficult hunt. Um, I learned a lot. (laughs) It was very difficult to stay positive through the whole thing. But, you know, after, after looking back on it, I'm, I'm really happy that I had the experience that I did because, I obviously needed to learn all those things and, mm-hmm. and learn those lessons. And, and, you know, I, I was happy. I found deer every single day. So I, you know, I, I feel happy about it now. Um, and I was just like, man, whitetail hunting is so much better. It's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I actually go on a whitetail hunt next week in Nebraska for a few days and then uh, come back to Colorado for about a week and a half and head out to Utah for a mule deer hunt um, early or early November. So I'm really excited for that. And then I've got a cow elk tag in Utah that's that's good through, I think, January or December, January. So I'll have kind of a later season 
uh, cow hunt down down south. That'll be good. You and I might be hunting mule deer around the same time. I'll be hunting the 7th through the 12th of November um, Okay. in Montana. So we'll probably be cheering yeah. each other on. <laughs> good yes. luck. Yeah, I'll be hunting, um, I think, the, the 4th through 9th. So yeah. we'll overlap just a little just bit. Just a little bit. That'll be fun to to come back and see. I love I love being yeah. following people's hunts and, and seeing – how it goes and how it it's kind of like you said there who was it it was Miranda Huff who said um it's it is 90% mental <laughs> it is such oh, yeah. a mental game when you're oh, out yeah. there and it is <laughs> it is it's it's getting through the tough and fighting through the adrenaline and um and pushing through just the anguish of the hard. And so, yeah. um, like you yeah, said, you always take something away from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just constant. Like your feet hurt, your body hurts, your back hurts, you're, you're tired. You don't want to go. You don't want to hike anymore. You're, you're not seeing animals. So you're discouraged from that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just one thing after the other. And it's, some days it's it's so hard to keep going but (laughs) you know you're like I only get one September a year like I I just have to keep going (laughs) yeah we here in Tennessee it's September through January so it's a long season and by the end of the season it's you kind of are ready to to rest (laughs) for a little bit and to jump on I mean, that's our deer season. So it's kind of nice to jump on some ducks in the middle of it and hit geese after yeah. and turkey after that because it, it is just deer season is a long season here. Um, yeah, that yeah. would get rough. It You can burn <laughs> I think a out. Month is all I can say. <laughs> yeah, you can burn out. And and since you can hunt so many deer here, it it is kind of one of those, okay, well, once the freezer's full and if you've been able to donate, sometimes your season ends because that's just – you don't need anymore and you don't take what you yeah. can't use. And so, um, yeah, some seasons end right. earlier than others in, in good ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. A, f- a full freezer is always the goal. Always. Mine is so empty right now. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> we need to fill them. Oh, well, yeah. I thank you so much for this conversation. And Dana, tell people how they can follow you. Uh, so most active on Instagram and it's mm-hmm. Dana underscore Monroe. Yes. And y'all spell it D-A-Y-N-A. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit different. Yeah. So you guys go follow her. We are going to be cheering you on through your hunting season. And congratulations again on your job. Yes. Thank you so much.